Welcome to Between Data and Risk podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Sue Tripathi, Accenture's Managing Director, Global GTM Lead, who will be discussing with us the concept of AI and machine learning, the boundaries of their applications, potential for their misuse in business, and the resulting risks. Stay tuned. If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization. Whether it is big data, cloud, data science, or whatever buzzword is currently trendy. If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place. This is Between Data and Risk, where we discuss real life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations. Hi, I'm your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siwiak, and with me is my co-host, Artur Buja, Cognition Shared Solutions Chief Risk and Strategy Officer. Hello. Welcome to the 13th episode of Between Data and Risk. Today, we'll be talking about boundaries of machine learning and artificial intelligence. We are very excited to have with us today our guest. Uh, Managing Director, Global Go-To Lead Market, Data, AI, Cloud Technology from Accenture, Dr. Sue Tripathi, who agreed to share some of her experiences with us. Hello. Hello. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time, Sue. Uh, so uh, let me uh, kind of start with a, with a question uh, for you. Uh, about 10 years ago, everything in, in the market sudden, suddenly started being uh, marketed as, as intelligent. It became kind of a, an abused uh, word uh, from toothbrushes to vacuum cleaners. And then since it became too cliche, people, the, the marketing people moved on to uh, calling everything AI powered. So what, what are your thoughts when you see something marketed as AI powered? Well, uh, first of all, let me thank you for inviting me to be part of this podcast. I'm equally excited, and that's a great question to ask. I think I, we should begin with our understanding of what we mean by the term AI-powered. Because the first thing that I would say is our understanding, when I hear AI-powered, I think it means different things to different people. And I think it also means different things to varied organizations. So even if an organization may have defined it for themselves, it doesn't mean that it's translatable to another organization, even within the same industry or the same sector. In fact, you know, I would go forget AI powered for a minute. I would even go to AI itself. That also doesn't have any common definitions. So if you Google the word AI, you know, one of the things that I commonly have is a list of definitions that anyone who Googles can, uh, can actually come across. And if I may, I'm just going to cite some of these mm -hmm. uh, definitions. As you were talking, I just quickly Googled some, some things. So I'll just read some of these out. This is right on the, on the web. It says, artificial intelligence refers to the ability of machines to understand the world around them, learn and make decisions in a similar way to the human brain. Thanks to AI, machines are getting smarter every day. There's another one. It refers to the simulation or approximation of human intelligence in machines, or it, it's the ability of a digital computer or computer-controlled robots to perform tasks, right? Um, heterogeneous technologies that weakly replicate some of the things people do, right? So, I mean, just in one singular stroke, you can get various definitions and understanding of what AI and what AI-powered means. 
I think the second thing is what are the necessary conditions? So, you know, one of the things that I do is I, when I am thinking about AI and AI powered, similar to, you know, I'm sure you've heard, we are a data driven organization. I really don't know what that means. I'm not trying to be facetious, but I really don't know what that means because it may mean something to someone else. So I want to understand what are the necessary and sufficient conditions for something to be considered AI powered, right? To my knowledge, there is no such consensus. I could be wrong. I'd like to be proven wrong. The third thing when you ask that is about utilizing AI, right? So it's not about the utility of AI. No one's asking about weigh the pros and cons of what AI can and cannot do for you. I'm sure during the course of this conversation, we'll talk about that too. But the third thing is about the utilization of AI-powered technology and tools within your organization. What does that mean to you? So if you look at different industries, for example, we are in 19 industries, from healthcare to retail to life sciences, manufacturing, you name it, we are in it, banking. And we are across the globe. We are in North America, EMEA, LATAM, APAC, everywhere. But if you talk to different industries, again, you're going to have something where they'll say it's a weak AI. It's simplistic. It's single task. And that's what we are used to. And it gives us what we need versus what strong AI looks like, right? And so something that's able to handle complex uh, issues. And so you can get into cognitive computing or things like that where you know, you'll find certain industries, uh, they're not necessarily heavily regulated, but you'll find them more in that sphere, especially in healthcare, where you'll, you'll find uh, things like that. So sometimes it's really, really difficult to distinguish which products are truly what we would define as AI-powered tools. Now, this is Sue speaking. I, uh, my, it's my opinion, which is going to be very subjective. And just between the three of us, I'm sure, we'll not only have a different um, understanding, but we'll also probably have different Venn diagrams of what we would consider to be AI-powered technology and tools. Now, given that most of, at least between the three of us, some of us have been in the space, um, have had formal training or informal training, perhaps we are more at an advantage of at least a level of understanding. But at the end of the day, AI-powered tools are not to be consumed only by those who happen to be in that field. AI-powered tools and technology are there to be consumed by everybody within the enterprise. So then we should be asking ourselves, what must be included within the term AI-powered, right? What do we need to have? At a very minimum, everybody within an enterprise, big, small, or large, um, or medium, I would say would need to have some basic common definition or understanding of what AI-powered means to them. That means you're speaking the same language at the very minimum. You need to understand what are the necessary and sufficient conditions that constitute AI-powered technology and AI-powered tools. And so are you talking about machine learning? Are you talking about deep learning? Are you talking about you know, speech recognition and visual you know, recognition? Are you talking about an NLP? All of that, right? So you have to really define, because not everybody's on that maturity curve. I also hear things like AI, ML, all in the same breath. So, you know, it's machine learning is a subset of what artificial intelligence can do, right? And so then the question really, the root of what you're asking is, 
Why do you want to be AI-powered? The fact that you say as an organization that you are AI-powered and it's become just like the data-driven thing, right? Everybody, just like what you said, you know, what does it take to be AI-powered? Now, the, between us, we cannot define for an entire industry or for any organization what, you know, does it take to be AI-powered. The C-level suite, the levels below that, they can define what it takes to be AI-powered. But I did mention the core components of certain technology as well as tools that they must have and that they must prioritize for themselves. And why do they want to be AI-powered? So AI could do things proactively, right? So that's one key thing that you can automate tasks. People understand that fairly easily. It could also initiate tasks. So proactive, the whole word being proactive. AI can be supportive. Supportive in what ways, you know? Are you talking about two workers working on the same thing and getting different results? Can AI help you, you know, define and discern some of that variation? AI being smart, what does that mean to you? You know, it's programmed to mimic humans and, and we talked about cognitive and it, it continues to learn. So I think one of the key things that, uh, that AI power can do for any organization is thinking about the end user. Who is going to benefit from it? And how do I take the feedback from the end user and include, include it in my loop so that whether it's machine learning or whatever else, it continues to improve, right, over time. So then this needs to be tied to the value creation of what your business is. How do you tie this? The whole purpose of doing AI is not because someone's got $20 million sitting on the side. It's because it's got to be tied to your business metrics, of which we all know the basic thing that most people want to hear is, tell me if my finances have improved. Tell me if my productivity has improved. Tell me if my efficiencies have improved. Tell me at least even if my financial revenues haven't improved that there's a cost, you know, operational efficiency, right? So I think that it has endless possibilities, but the list of endless possibilities needs to be defined by looking at what is the value of that AI power that you've defined, you've understood, you've created those necessary conditions, you've, you've got machine learning, you've got deep learning, whatever you've invested in, but you have to tie it back to the, to the business. And I think the main thing here is that businesses have to a large extent, just like to the cloud, they've invested in the cloud. They have gone to the cloud, largely some of them who were sitting on the side went to the cloud because of COVID. Now they have multiple clouds or a single cloud. They've brought solutions, they have AI powered solutions, and they are not getting the return on their investment. So the to my, level to of my, to my knowledge, is 75% of data investments go don't reach uh, ROI. It's 20, 25% of, of, let's say, digital transformation. It's a very yeah. wide term of use, but, but uh, are, are successful. And it, for others, it's, it's multiple the cost. You run, through, you, you run through multiple questions that we prepared uh, in, in one go. Uh, so the, the one thing that I, uh, I apologize to, 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 to stop it, but I just wanted to no, take no, one, 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 one thing for, for our listeners, uh, because, you know, some of them will be deciding on getting some AI-powered tools for their uh, 
uh, enterprises. So uh, I just wanted to check if my understanding is correct. Like if somebody comes to you and says, oh, we have AI-powered solution for you and it works for everyone, you should be rather skeptical and ask a lot of questions about what do you mean by AI-powered? Why do you think that this AI is good for our context? Uh, it's very much marketing phrase now rather than technical in, in a sense of uh, what, what people try to, to sell to, 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 to our listeners. Yes. I mean, it is jazzy. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, it is a marketing ploy or a tool to some extent. What it does, though, is those who are truly AI-powered organizations are really those who are strong in that field, it kind of dilutes the whole essence of what they bring to the market versus those who are somewhere in the middle and frankly, those that are not there at all, but they've figured that that's a lingo that will maybe open certain doors. But at the end of the day, businesses are not going to invest if they don't see you know, the wares, the demonstration, concrete evidence, because a lot of folks are, are, will ask for, where have you done this? Show me concrete evidence. Tell me an industry that you have worked in where, you know, your solution actually helped. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I go back to that basic question around why do you even want to have AI powered? What does that mean to you? And what is the value that you're trying to create for your business and how is it tied to your business metric? Because what has happened, and again, I could be wrong, is that the set of expectations goes very, very high. And then, you know, you don't meet those expectations. So it is not a question of actually that you purchase the wrong solution. The question is, did you invest internally in identifying and understanding what that AI-powered tool, technology, et cetera, would do for you that ties to your business metric. You have to connect the dots. And in that sense, perhaps one of the ideas is not just a top-down approach, but a bottom-up approach where you meet in between. So you're taking the end user who's actually going to be using it day in and day out, and the impact will be on your business. And he or she can tell you, you know, how this AI-powered tool can be used and how it can be impactful for your business. And that will help you get to your metrics. So it's nothing that can't be done, but it is a question of time and it is a question of, you know, managing also your expectations. Yeah, it's just, this is, I think, critical. Marian is the, the data guy and he knows all about AI and machine learning. I'm, I'm the risk guy and this is, this is all fascinating and, and, and new to me. And I was actually trying to, to, to learn more about this and the, the practicalities of it. I was uh, listening uh, to uh, an, an, a different podcast, uh, AI in Business, uh, uh -huh. by uh, Daniel Flagella, uh -huh. and this is he's got he's got uh, different episodes on dif different use cases. Uh, one was, for example, very close to kind of my financial background uh, uh -huh. about the use of uh, AI in uh, uh, quickly sorting out lending of uh, payment uh, during the payment protection program in the in the US. Uh, following following COVID, uh, but it, to to my kind of risk averse heart and with my risk risk uh, management uh, mentality, I always think when someone someone produces uh, kind of a, a solution that that's a, a ML based or AI based, 
it's it's kind of the 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 opacity of risks within it because uh you know i i know marian always tells me oh you should look at explainable ai and explainable machine learning but it's maybe explainable to experts yes the question is whether it's explainable to a risk manager who doesn't yeah. have uh, years yeah. of experience yes. in, in 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 all this mathematics but uh you know if 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 i have this 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 kind of thing how how what what are the risks that i should be looking at so i think the first risk is we, we didn't explicitly call it out but it's this concept of plug and play technology right i plug it in i'm going to get immediate returns that's not that's not necessarily happening so that's a business risk because your <laughs> risk is that you've invested in something with you know and a return and you've put it uh, frankly in your projections in your sales in your revenue and saying as a result of doing x the second thing would be is i would i call it you know misaligned business assumptions so you know enterprise wide don't just look at your specific business you know i think the other thing is business risk is assuming that because you bought it your organizational culture has adopted that AI policy. That doesn't happen. I just did a webinar the other day on uh, kickstarting your AI adoption, right? This is not about maturity. This is about organizational culture. This is where change management actually could come in and kick in a lot. The other thing is, you know, now I can go into hardcore like models, right? So look at, looking at another business risk is looking at the algorithm. And there's a risk in misusing, algorithm risk, where you're misusing it, right? And that could be for a number of different factors, but it's also, I hate to say it, the lack of understanding something that's very complex, a complex AI model, for example, for example, and you incorrectly interpret the results from the output from that, and you automatically assume, and this is my pet peeve for the longest, longest, longest time, is an output is an output is an output. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get you to your outcomes. There has got to be a set of activities, things that you need to do to get to that financial metric. So your output, your AI output, one could be misinterpreted, could be very complex and you could have missed certain factors, could have all kinds of inaccuracies and could have bias in it. I'm not even going into the bias field because that's a whole different, you know, world. Um, you know, there's an NIH um, grant that came out, I think, about a year and a half ago. And I love that because that was a public-private partnership where you had to, uh, the whole purpose was reducing bias, so eliminating bias. And one way of doing that is to engage the students in academia with the professors who are teaching them and building the model with them so that you're not only going to get a pipeline of trained professionals down the road, but they know how to um, reduce the bias. And this was a, a spectrum of different genders and different people of different age groups. Anyway, uh, different racial and ethnic uh, to, to, to our To our listeners, we can, we can, we can show, like I think, two, two very strong examples of how the bias can be involuntarily introduced. One is in Google. Google realized at some point that they were driving uh -huh. algorithms. They were uh, semi-blind to people of uh -huh. color because 
they in the sets of photographs where computers were learning to recognize that there is a person on the road, the people of color were underrepresented. So these cars were biased towards not seeing people of color as people, which is pretty hard sta statement, but it was just involuntary bias caused by, by, by the wrong set of data used for, yeah. for, for, for training the mm -hmm. AI. And mm -hmm. the other one, there were experiments with uh, AI uh, used to support juridical systems and uh, calculation of probability of uh, making uh, of, of uh, re-entering the, the the path of crime uh, and again people of color due to their address mainly they were considered much higher yeah. um, they were given much higher sentences for the same uh for the same crimes and let's say they had much yeah. lower leeway if if you like, uh, yeah. just because of the of the of the postcode, nobody could actually say it's a skin color, but they could say postcode, which in many areas was actually irrelevant. Yeah. So just ju yeah. ju just to, to to give obvious examples yeah. that if it can happen to 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 company like Google, which lives and breathes uh, AI, that they. Really, it wasn't. I, I'm not saying that it was uh, malevolent, but they they just made a mistake, and and uh, it was a mistake which could could cost lives. Like assuming that all your data is really objective and uh, nobody introduced any biases may be a bit optimistic. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and so I, I let I'll just um, you know finish some of my thoughts here and then um, mm -hmm. love to hear. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I think you were mentioning, Marion, earlier about stats, so I read somewhere fairly recently that only about 8% of firms who have invested in AI, only 8% of those firms actually have actually adopted AI. Mm -hmm. that, that is, <laughs> that's a whole, whole adoption. So I think then the other pieces, I think both of you alluded to was technology in and of itself, right? So something where, you know, having a complex um, algorithm that you have in your model and you've reached a solution and you've made a decision based on the solution and it could be subject to all kinds of not only misinterpretation, but malicious manipulation, right? Mm -hmm. So there is that risk, which is a business risk to you. Then there's a regulatory, Arthur, uh, I know before we got on this, you were, you were telling me that you've been the chief risk officer for HSBC. And so, you, I mean, and you live in the banking world, so you understand this much more perhaps than Marion and I can ever, you know, comprehend. And so one of the things is around regulatory compliance, which banking would be, you know, prime candidate, right? And to, so to justify to regulators, you know, how decisions are made, right? It's mm -hmm. not that you have the model and the model gave you a set of output. Regulators don't couldn't care less about what the out AI output was. They're not, you know, in that space. They want you to say how, you know, your decision was made. And so you go back to say, this is my output, or this is my neural network, or this is, but there are some hidden decision-making layers that are not evident to the average Joe or Jane within your own enterprise. Forget outside your enterprise. If, if Marion was a regulator and I wasn't the data person and you are, you know, that the whole onus is on you. And that's also not fair because you can't 
while you can be that you are the chief risk officer, you are not the chief data officer to then sit and explain. So my purpose in saying all of this is how are you bringing people along in the journey, this, right? At every mm -hmm. single level. So that goes back to the cultural uh, challenge. And, and I think then the last pieces are, uh, I would say about your product innovation. You know, the risk of, of a product being developed, which does not meet a customer need. So you've gone down a rabbit hole and it got all excited. You're using AI for the sake of AI. And it goes back to your initial question about, I am an AI powered organization. But what are the related risks related to that, that help you meet your business, you know, metrics, or it doesn't. And the last pieces would be around your, you know, your supplier and, and your market. And what I, uh, what I mean by that in the market is you could rely over, quote unquote, over, over rely on a set of smaller number of vendors, third-party AI vendors, who may or may not be equipped, frankly, to help you meet all your key enterprise-wide business metrics. That's what I mean by this. And then your suppliers also, right? So, you know, it's not just a provider failure, but it's also a question of, do you have sufficient governance structures embedded? None of these, of what I'm saying, is on the AI vendor. It is on mm -hmm. the organization. Absolutely. It is not just a strategy. Your strategy that converts, it's just like when you ideate something, right? You're not ideating for the heck of ideation. You're ideating of which 95% of that falls somewhere midway, and only 5% actually you can take to execution. But it is time well spent because, you know, even in those failures, you learn a lot. Similar to that, you know, you have to think about what is your governance structure and how can you put it all together. And while you have key people within an organization who are tasked, you have data governance, data, you know, the risk compliance, all of that, you have to cross-pollinate and you have to have key leadership. And then you have need to have your data AI stewards and your change managers who are going to influence people to adopt it. Because the reality is whether we want to acknowledge it or not, AI has already invaded our space, professionally as well as personal, right? We are using AI every day, mm -hmm. each one of us on this planet. So the reality is you may as well join and, and join in that bandwagon and say, let me understand this. I don't need to be a data or AI or tech person, but I need to understand it because it has in, an impact on me. Even if it's not your business, it has an impact on me. So this is why I say, you know, it's just like technology. When technology came initially, no one knew how to use computers. You know, people now use computers left, right, and center, all age groups. Right? I, can, I can give you a great example of my dad who's no longer with us, but he learned how to use the computer. He never, when he went to school, there were no computers. And he learned it. And he became proficient in it over time. Right? So it's all about adapting, but it's also about um, making it simplified enough where people begin to see the value of what, how that's going to impact them in their jobs. I think that's when people, you bring people in. Just saying that, hey, this is important is not, I, I don't think that's necessarily how you bring people in, but I think when people see the value of how it impacts them, what they can do, um, you know, people are very smart, they will actually help you 
in making your um, journey better and more robust, both internally and externally. So, something that you said is actually pretty, pretty close to our hearts, I think, because when we are running uh, our consulting, let's say, services, and I mm -hmm. guess uh, the big player like you, uh, similarly, but correct me if I'm wrong, because this is something that, 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 that you know you might do differently. But I okay, let's say, let's let's see. Uh, what we do, we say, okay, we can come, we can, we, we can, let's say, take some technology and align it with your business processes and show you like how different, in example, models can mm -hmm. be used to predict some outcomes of some mm -hmm. actions within some certain, uh, we will get back to this accuracy. Uh, mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. but now it's like, you know, we can, as Arthur likes to say, we can, you know, bring the host to the water. But it's actually, you know, your job to to lead the change, to to make it drink. It's uh, we do not, as as a company, as a consultants, we we do not dare to say that we are even able to drive the change. We can facilitate it. We can give tools, some tips, and but exactly. you exactly. as a leader, you as a senior manager, you as a CEO, a founder, you need to drive the change. You will not find. Uh, reliable honest consultants who will promise you that they will drive the change they can facilitate and make it let's say efficient in some methodological sense of work uh, sense but so do, it is do we yours. need kind of training or well not even training but you know, when uh, see you mentioned the internet and technology and uh, it's i think it's a great example because uh, obviously, internet is uh, there. There's DNS, IP. There's there's uh, a lot of technologies behind it. But the average uh, average person, average internet user, has absolutely no idea about it. They go in front of a computer, and pictures of kittens appear. And uh, uh, it's uh, but there's still definition. you know my, or AI my, definition. Yes, or or an AI definition or two. But my kids <laughs> at school had. Cyber security training, yes, uh, which obviously uh, was to prepare them for for safe internet surfing. Are we kind of looking at at some point uh, having uh, you know a AI safety training for the average J Joe and Jane to to or maybe going a step step level uh, for business people for for CEOs and founders. AI safety training where they they learn about not not about the mathematical basics of it necessarily, but about the, the the kind of boundaries of it and where it should and should not be applied and what to what to look out for. Yes, I mean you know if you look and I shall not mention, but I you know there are all kinds of articles, right? So if you look at what is called a risk management framework, right? It's it's out there. You could apply a risk management framework, which really helps you. There are four different stages of, of, of that risk management framework, and I'm not you know, advocating for one or the other. But if you do that along with your SWOT analysis, your strength, weakness, opportunities, and threat analysis, right? none of that is technical. None of that means that you have to be immersed in risk and compliance and no uh, regulatory you know, international laws. No, this is very common language. You don't need to be a data, uh, data AI geek or an IT geek. I think to your point, Arthur, what you are asking is an excellent question, which is it's not only about the utility or the utilization. It is going back to that first thing. I always ask this question, 
Why am I going to invest my time, energy, resources if I don't have clarity myself as a senior leader? How am I expected to then convey that message to a whole bunch of people who are not in the space, but whose jobs, whose livelihood, whose uh, you know, businesses will be impacted by it? And this is one thing I can say at Accenture that Accenture does well is that Accenture also has, other than you know, cloud technology, data, AI, they also have change management. Because you know, in the trifecta of technology, process, and people, and in this case, I would say you also have to understand, Mary, and you talked about business processes earlier, so you have to really understand your AI capability model, your AI business capability model, not mm -hmm. your AI model, mm -hmm. <laughs> tech yeah, model, yeah, I get it. AI business capability model that ties it back to the business metric. The real issue really is about the user. The decisions are being made by people, right? Mm -hmm. So if you the investment in people, I used to think um, if you talked to me 15 years ago, I would probably talk more about the tech and the process of it. I would not put that much of, or at the very most, I would say 33%, one third of each, but that is not true. It's actually much more on the people side. The tech and the process side is frankly, in my opinion, the easier side. Mm -hmm. We can go innovate, we can ideate, we can execute, we can bring new solutions. We can try as much to see you know, how close to human thinking, intelligence we can. But the reality is who's going to make that decision? What are we trying to achieve? Where are the people? Is it just the sea level and the level below that we have been able to convince and bring them along in the journey? What about the remaining 80%? Right, who are actually doing the work. I'm not saying that the 20% are not. Everybody has a responsibility. <laughs> but a business doesn't function by itself with three people. A business needs all kinds of hues, colors, uh, you know, people with different backgrounds and good thinking to make that happen. I have a role, you know, 780,000 other people that work at um, Accenture have a role. We all have roles. We all bring something to the table and we all have limitations as well because we're human beings and that's that's fine. But I think it goes back to if you don't know what your business risks are, if you don't have a framework, please don't go create something new. There's plenty out there. Use that along with your SWOT analysis and that will tell you where to invest and what to do. I think that will get, get to that business risk. So, Arthur, I don't know whether I answered your question, but that thought just came to mind. Yeah, it's 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 it's. it's kind of very interesting and uh, you know a couple episodes back we spoke to uh, Dr. Sue Tuffer about uh, you know the knowledge transfer and education Susan and, Tuffer. Uh, uh, sorry <laughs> apologies uh, <laughs> Dr. Susan Tuffer uh, and uh, uh, about uh, um, you know uh, thinking about knowledge transfer uh, there, there needs there is required I think an emergence of ubiquitous language uh, about yeah. AI that people who are not AI uh, trained can understand, but which is universal enough, the definitions kind of solidify a bit, such that uh, those decision makers can actually, they have the toolbox to make uh, reasonable decisions about very technical topics. And, uh, you know, I think this is this is what, what is still missing. And when, when you spoke before about uh, a, a, about the kind of the outcome of uh, the algorithm being only the outcome, uh, I got Output, 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 output is output, but output is not outcome. It was this. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay, I'm 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 so excited about this. I'm 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 trying to think faster than I than I can. So the output is the output, and I, I got flashbacks to 2008 because uh, you know I was trading the markets back then for 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 one of the banks, and uh, the, the whole 2008 palaver happened because of a mathematical formula where people oh. took the uh, the the, uh, the the Gaussian copula, which people took the results of that formula to be uh, wholly writ and uh, didn't think about the implications, all the the kind of connotations of, of, of that formula and, and some basic assumptions that went went into it. So I, I, I almost kind of imagined the next, uh, say, 2028 crisis coming because someone someone implemented a, a, an AI somewhere on some machine learning and it became so widespread and people believed it so much that people kind of forgot that there's a, a very basic assumption going into it that doesn't matter anymore. We, we, we don't care about that. And You don't need to go that far uh, as to 2028. <laughs> uh, you have, the in, in life sciences, you have a huge crisis now called repeatability crisis, which one of the reasons is forgetting about the assumptions coming to the uh, very basic concept used by, in example, biologists, uh, which is p-value, where there is an assumption of uh, difference between two hypotheses. Uh, yeah. And it's uh, in a time of big data and big uh, high throughput experiments. Uh, this assumption no longer holds. It, it, it held in the experiments which were uh, conducted for the last oomph, oomph, gazillion, let's say, years. Uh, but uh, so all of a sudden, people are starting to discuss artifacts, uh, which result in just due to the mathematical nature of p-value calculation. They just, you know, pop up as a statistically significant result. So you don't need to go. If you would calculate the billions of dollars spent on on unnecessary research resulting from uh, results based on p-values resulting again from just the mathematical assumption, which doesn't hold true anymore, probably mm -hmm. you would be close to the losses generated by two thousand eight. No. <laughs> no, but this is this is uh, you know. Uh, it, you know, to to point out the obvious, there is there is no AI or ML angle to that to that crisis. I think, uh, or I, I failed to see one. It's mathematical. Yeah, it's assumption. I mean, it back, yeah, I think it goes back to your original question, which is, what do you mean by being an AI powered organization? Right? Are you a point in time solution? Are you just you know looking at a uh, business or a sector? There's nothing right or wrong in that. But then clarify that because you're not speaking on behalf of the entire enterprise or you have limited capability. It goes back to your AI business capability, you know, and then maybe you're looking at only ML and that is fine. You're not okay. in deep learning. You're not doing the NLP. Whatever you're doing, just be open because at the end of the day, what businesses are going to be investing in you is very simple. Show me evidence that this actually works and show me evidence that this actually is going to help me in my business make metrics and show me how you're going to manage my expectation. And I think that's the last one that I always come back to because it is better to actually undersell in a way because then you're going to meet, not only meet, you're going to exceed expectations. Now you have a return, you know, you have a client who just wants to work with you over and over again. But you also feel confident in saying, I applied it in five different industries I have four, four more or 10 more that I could scale it. So we haven't even talked about scalability. We haven't talked about the appropriate 
you know, the boundaries that are appropriate uh, use of AIML? You know, what are those boundaries? Are we, if you're a global company, are you more, you know, can you be held at a different level for social, societal, and ethical implications of machine learning that wouldn't necessarily be applied to a smaller business that's national or regional or that's local, right? So, you know, global companies, frankly, have um, the bandwidth, but they also are held and should be held at a level because the impact of what they can do globally is a hundred times more than Mm -hmm. a, a smaller you know, company and in, say in, in Europe or in Asia or in Africa, wherever wherever it they may, may they may be, because resources don't abound equally everywhere as we well know, right? And so, I mean, again, and then the you know whether I don't want to get into the technicalities, but you know I also hear we are AI powered, and then you listen to them and they're talking about okay, we can do descriptive analytics, so we can do predictive an- analytics, or we can do you know. Um, whatever it is, and I'm going, so how mature are you? What does that mean to you, right? I mean, this has been out there. It's nothing of what we are saying. AI has been in, in place, what, since 1950s and has evolved since then. But again, it's about the use of AI and how are you going to reinforce, I'm not even talking about supervised, unsupervised machine learning, this, that, and the other. That now gets into the realm of technicality that perhaps a lot of people do not want to get into. But if you're talking about the appropriate use, the boundaries of it, right? Um, you have to understand what technology can and cannot do for you. That that is something so simple and so basic that I, I, I would start, can't imagine I, that someone can be unaware of that. You cannot afford to be unaware of that anymore. I would I would probably uh, go back to something that both of you said uh, about. Uh, so you, you said, like, you know, it means so different things for, for, for you know, even the companies in the same sector. Uh, Arthur was talking about this common ubiquitous language. And uh, I mentioned, and I, I would like to, to, to find, you know, a minute or two to discuss the, the very basic, uh, let's say, concept of, uh, of machine learning. And I guess at, this, at, some, at some point, uh, AI making decisions, which is accuracy. If you if if, yeah. if I hear if if I hear like we have ninety nine percent accuracy, it's like oh wait, what do you mean by accuracy? To my knowledge, there is no single uh, definition of accuracy in 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 machine learning world. There is there are different measures of accuracy, but you can understand accuracy in so many different ways. So many but, different ways. Yeah. Well, you know, if you look at stats, um, I am not harping because my background is healthcare and stats, but if you look at stats, instead of accuracy, you can say confidence level, right? This has been around for ages. At 95% confidence intervals, we can say that we are confident 95% of the time that, you know, we stand by the output of what this AI data. Now, that is a different thing than saying we are 95% accurate, which is to your point, right? So I think it's also that nuance actually has two very different meanings. And you, you, have, you have to have your ears trained in a way where you're actually absorbing what that simple statement means, which is why I said, you know, 
what technology can and cannot do for you is something only you as a business would know. No one else would know that, right? So to rely and put all your eggs in one basket and say, I have technology, I've gone to the cloud, I've got the AIML solutions, and presto, I hit a button and I am not seeing the results. And so I'm very deeply disappointed because I spent $20 million. And you hear that. And you have to, from the get-go, say, these are the limitations of what AI can do for you. By the way, within AI, we're talking about machine learning, we're talking about deep learning, we're talking, you know, they're different. Yeah, the, yeah, the, right? yeah, all the technologies. We, and so, we, we try so, to stay technology agnostic, so yes. we. Yeah, and, and I think, so the, my fundamental thing is, you know, you ask a simple question, what would you be the basic tenets of what? So I think you need to uh, begin with, what do you want the machine learning system to do for you? Not what mm -hmm. can it, what do you, you know, business A, business B, business C, what do you want it to be? And how much of this is going to be active and how much of it is going to be passive? And then you can talk about supervised and unsupervised learning and things of that nature. And you should also identify where machine learning is not going to be useful to you. Absolutely. It is not taking every business process and automating it. You want to give me the $100 million? Be my guest. I'll take the $100 million. But the reality is you have to prioritize, right? You have to prioritize. And then you have to reinforce that. You have to reinforce learning, you know, not only of your machines, but also of the people. That's Absolutely. what I mean. So you have to take a look at the whole enchilada of where it's useful, where you're getting the biggest bang for your buck. What is the lowest hanging fruit? I mean, if you're in sales, we always think about what is a win strategy, right? The reality is no business can say, global or otherwise, that they're always, always winning. There are losses that happen, right? So what have we learned from those losses? How can we reinforce what we shouldn't be doing and what we should be doing? So the, you can just translate some of this into very, what I call, simple language. And I want to begin always with what do you want, not what can I don't ask me what my solution can do for you. I want you to tell me so that I have a better understanding of what you think machine learning system can do, because that gives me insight into so many different things and also helps me actually prioritize with the client where I should and should not be going. And then I want to be very candid about, but please let me tell you where machine learning may not give you the results that you're expecting. So that helps in the investment the prioritization. Oh. Not we, we we didn't even touch the quality of data that they have available about no, the I, applicability. No, I, uh, so just ju just to, to just to throw another wrench into the wheels. I'm sorry, yeah, but it's 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 kind of it, it's interesting how it aligns because the the example I uh, kind of I I gave before the the um, AI in business podcast that I listened to the the positive examples. Uh, they, they they give uh, that Daniel Fagella gives in, in 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 his podcast. They all pretty much boil down to to exactly what you said to you, that that the first step in the definition of any business use of AI is the very clear definition of the goal. Business use, and then thinking whether uh, whether AI actually is is applicable for the goal, because there there needs to be that 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 that, that clarity of of purpose in in the team, in the the scientists, in the business. It's 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 funny how how often in in our practice we, if, if we would, kind of if I would get a dollar for every time where you know I I, I proved that the regular linear regression 
does better job than some advanced <laughs> machine learning methodology, I wouldn't be here. I would be on Bahamas on my yacht. Uh, well, it's, it's funny you mentioned, so I shall not mention. So this happened to me actually in the last two or three years. So someone said, but you, your background is in statistics. And I'm like, you know, like, that's not a good thing. And I'm what? Going, yeah. So I said, yes, absolutely. Because you know what? That's the genesis of me understanding data and what I can and shouldn't be doing with data, right? You talked about data quality. Data quality happens to be a big issue agnostic of any industry. We cannot rely on the quality of data also because data comes from so many different sources nowadays, right? So are you going to tell me that the data quality from my IoT devices is absolutely superb and that I can rely and I should start making decisions, I'll be the first one to probably say no. It's not about cleaning your data. It's not about the duplication of data. It's not about redundancy of data. I need to make sure the quality of my data is good, which is different from, you know, uh, you know what, uh, uh, you know, it's it's different from redundancy and it's different from duplication. The, the, the technical the technical cleanliness or cleanliness right. of of the data. No no no. It's, right. uh, I'm 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 so so surprised and I'm furious about hearing that somebody could. I, I think the statistics is 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 should be maybe should be at the at the core. Like I'm, uh, it's you know my, my background is biophys uh, bi biophysics and uh -huh. uh, I spent a lot of time getting better and better in statistics. And and, yes. and because I, th this is something that, that that in my opinion would left me in the woods so many times if I wouldn't be able to spot like okay but this data just you know does not hold the assumptions like you know the the distribution which is required for this methodology it's actually it's the data from the, its very nature it has different distributions so I need to use the different different methodology because I can put it there it's it's something that, that, that got me many times really really upset and we we spoke about it like the inflation of the data science term like method scientific methods and statistics which should come there was replaced with machine learning now you 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 say i want to hire a data scientist what will will you get 99% oh, yeah. up to 100 you will get someone yeah. to finish some courses in machine learning yeah and and yeah. i've been through through that like oh we have an excellent data the data science team okay let me talk to them yeah. When they yeah, spoke, and I think, it was good. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between how you can build an AI model, what data sets you want to put in it, how are you going to label your data, et cetera, et cetera. How what do you want to meaning? categorize? And, you know, I have come across some absolutely fabulous IT people, super smart. But then when you went, and I, I sometimes get into the weeds on purpose because I want to understand that they've, it's not just the design, but the, actually the building of it. And before I even get the output, when I go back and start taking a look at certain things, and I say, but uh, the data that you're making it, say, relational, or you're saying these are the core sets of data, why did you put that in? Oh, because I thought, right? <laughs> and that to me is very dangerous. Because where is your subject matter expert? Absolutely, Especially yes. when it comes to healthcare especially when it comes to banking and finance. You do not have that, I, you know, you can't just take three data sets and just put it and make your model, right? You have to be very, very, very careful. And there are times, I said this with a lot of love to one of my ex-colleagues, uh, professional love, uh, that, you know, I think you're a fabulous IT person, undoubtedly. I will come to you to build. 
but I will never come to you to tell me what should go into that model. The fact that you took three data sets, and I'm thank God I asked you, because three months later, I would have had gobbledygook, right? And, and I don't want gobbledygook. No one wants that. And then I would have been mad at myself, not at anybody else, saying, why didn't you stop this? Because, you know, it's going back to, you, to, to time and speed and all of that. So it it's, goes back, actually, to something that Arthur had asked earlier, which is your risk factors. And I think sometimes, especially when it comes to this area, people talk about it, but are they actually applying that risk framework? Right. So are you identifying? Are you assessing? Are you controlling? Are you doing continuous monitoring and oversight? This has elements of quality management. This has elements of lean management. This has elements of change management. You can create your CQI, your continuous quality improvement. That's what to me AI also speaks about. Right. You're reinforcing, you're learning, you're changing. And you're creating a very structured approach, structured identification approach to pinpoint the critical risks. That, that is equally important as much as connecting the dot to your business metric, right? And so you're instituting this enterprise-wide uh, controls, not just for a specific business group, but you're also reinforcing some of those specific controls depending on the nature of them. It's, I mean, Arthur can tell you, tell at least me much more than I know about risk management. Uh, you know, about what is a business risk? It's not just the investment, but what is the business risk? What can my model do and cannot do? And what is the business risk when I'm saying here are the decisions that can be made as a result of that that's tied to your uh, model output? So I know I know that probably I'm speaking too much and you guys had a set of questions that I may or may not be speaking but- uh, what 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 you said just brought brought something to 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 my mind because uh, if I understand correctly, you are uh, talking about the bringing closer the AI specialists or or machine learning specialists and business people, bringing them closer till they work together. But they don't create this overlap where suddenly uh, AI people uh, make business decisions and business people make make AI modeling decisions, and and it all goes to pot. Uh, but uh, you know, Marian is a big, uh, big fan of data mesh, and uh, it, oh. which is supposed oh. to bring uh, data uh, people and business people closer together. Yeah. Being so an author should... of a first practical application book doesn't make me, you know, a fan. I'm just, you know, you, 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 you just <laughs> talk just, about I'm... it all the time. <laughs> I, I just talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but maybe we should propose kind of an AI mesh where we bring. Uh, AI if you will have if you will have data mesh the AI or or, or it's, it's a part of the data world as much as they would like to forget about their their heritage uh, AI is a part <laughs> of the uh, AI is a part of the data so if you if you if you if you have data specialists and uh, business specialists but you don't have your you have your AI specialists in a different uh, in the different room you should talk to the guys like guys Come back pretty to the much, it's, it's pretty much like saying that biology is just applied physics and you know applied chemistry. Chemistry, chemistry, chemistry is applied physics. And physics, and physics is applied, is mathematics. applied mathematics. <laughs> and mathematics is just applied statistics. And statistics and is just applied philosophy. My, brother. my brother's a professor of uh, a PhD in mathematics. I, I, I think uh, you know, mathematicians probably view themselves differently from statisticians 
Um, but <laughs> then, you know, with siblings, you always have this kind of uh, what do you know? For, for, fortunately, my, bro my brother is an architect, so you know, even even when 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 I talk about enterprise architectures, fortunately, I don't need to quarrel with him. No, I would never claim to have that depth of understanding that a mathematician has, for sure. Um, and not just my brother, but high regard for anyone in any field. Absolutely. Absolutely. What they bring to the table. But going back to what both of you were saying, it's, um, yes, they're, you know, understanding your role and understanding how, you know, this word called let's collaborate, which basically means um, I don't know what it means because uh, collaboration could mean that you're actually working together you know, side by side, it could mean that you're baton passing, I've done my piece now, you know, you need to do your piece and it becomes a circle. It could mean many different things, but um, it has, it is based on um, action. And I love what you just said, Marion, about, um, you know, your heritage, right? Uh, AI cannot function if you don't have the basic understanding of what data is, right? And at least the basics of, you know, I'm not talking about strategy or management, talking about the whole gamut of data governance, of which management is part of it, of which data quality mm -hmm. is part of it, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to be a guru in certain things, but you need to just understand the basic tenets, the foundation upon which you're going to start building your AI. Then you Absolutely. can get to the machine learning, the supervised, unsupervised. But without that, I'm not, I'm not dismissing the value of what, um, you know, folks who are completely trained in AI bring to the table. Obviously, they have great value. Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping that they understand the whole gamut of what data can and cannot do and how risky actually it is uh, when it's not used appropriately. Absolutely. You know, there could be privacy violations. There, there are deep fakes. I mean, we've lived through this, right? We are living through this. You go to the media, you see information, you believe in that information. Those are deep fakes, you know. You go, there's, there's so many different things that just surround our day-to-day -day lives that informally or informally actually does have an impact on us, right? So, I mean, I don't want to get into, in healthcare, for example, banking, for example, privacy violations that have absolutely happened, right? So I think um, AI can be used to the benefit of businesses and humankind. It can also be very detrimental actually uh, 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 being misappropriately used, I, I guess. And so that goes back to your basics of data, you know, data difficulties, you talk about quality, you have to think about ingesting and sorting and, you know, figuring out how do you link and all of that, you know, different data, you've got to think about your technology, the security slants, which is a huge issue. And also, you know, I call it, I call it the models that misbehave. Right, um, they deliver, but they're delivering biased results. Mm -hmm. Right, um, and we talked. You talked about the example of um, um, of I, I. In my mind, I was thinking about profiling, but the the you know a criminal uh, inequities. Some, I mean, mm -hmm. not the criminal, but those um, yeah racial inequities, uh, social inequities that you mm -hmm. see, gender inequities you see, but you mm -hmm. also see as a result of that certain biases, you see racial profiling, et cetera, et cetera, happening. So I don't want to get into too, too detail into any one of that, but I think the interface between human and machines also needs to be 
very closely taken a look at because that's also a risk area because there's human judgment that could be faulty. You could be overriding mm-hmm. a system. And, you know, you have to look at it both from at, at least from three levels, from an individual level, an organizational level, and a societal level. So I say societal because very recently, and this has been in my mind, the United Nations has something called AI for Good. And that is basically a platform where all 193 plus countries can come in. And obviously, in the more developed industrial world, which has more resources, they're looking for people to support it. But their lens is actually about climate change, sustainable. Uh, you know, how do we make this planet more sustainable? We see the impact of, of it everywhere. It doesn't matter whether you're in the U.S. or outside the U.S. So that's, the, that's their lens. But what they've done from what little bit that I understood and what I've seen is that they're bringing that platform for people, small, medium, large organizations to come together to actually converse about what AI can do for you or cannot do for you. The actual application with concrete use cases, you could Mm -hmm. be in agro, you could be in energy, oil and gas, it doesn't matter, right? And for a fee, you have access to that. For a global organization like Accenture to participate in that would be fantastic because not only does Accenture is able to showcase what we bring to the table, which obviously folks know, but to the level of depth that we do it. But but then on the other hand, it's a give and take because mm-hmm. we get to learn from clients, you know, what their needs are, et cetera, et cetera. So it goes back to that thing about what I said about, you know, are you also there for social and societal good, right? So absolutely. that has, it's not just your business goal, which is absolutely essential to the survival of any business. But if you're global, probably you have some of that uh, responsibility trust on you to say, you are one of the key global organizations that also has to think about the larger societal good of what you bring to the table. And I think Accenture, for, for example, would be one of those global. So that's why I say individual organization, because not everybody is going to be like that. Uh, I mean, this is, this is, this is great. And the, 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 the you know, societal, cultural impacts uh, of, of, of AI is, is, is a much bigger topic, which, which I, I think we could, we could uh, handle in, in another episode. I think this is, this is all we have time for in this episode. Sue, this was, was absolutely fascinating. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Uh, for, for everything you've, you've shared with us. Uh, and uh, thank you for, for taking the time. And as, oh. we, always say, as, as mm-hmm. we always say, let's hope it was of use to someone. Thank you for listening. For an interesting discussion about AI and specifically about its safety, check out the XRP podcast, episode 13, where the host Daniel Filan discusses this topic with Richard Ngo, AI governance researcher at OpenAI. Furthermore, listen to episode 4 for a discussion with Ivan Hubinger, research fellow at Machine Intelligence Research Institute, about the risks from learned optimization. We also recommend This Week in Machine Learning and AI, a podcast hosted by Sam Charrington, dedicated to business and consumer applications of machine learning and AI. For stories about practical use of AI in business, listen to AI in Business podcast with Daniel Fagella, CEO of Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research. Finally, for a very important note about the misuse of AI and ML just for publicity and marketing, listen to Lex Friedman YouTube channel, episode 74, where he hosts Michael I. Jordan, 
professor at Berkeley in a discussion about machine learning, recommender systems, and future of AI. As usual, all links to the references will be available in the notes to this episode. Also, don't miss the next one, where we'll be discussing the role of processes in structuring business operations with Jamie Jay, founder and CEO of Bottleneck Distant Assistance, author of an excellent book, Quit Repeating Yourself. Subscribe on our favorite podcast platform or visit bdr.show to find out more about the future episodes and guests. You can also check out cognition.llc for more information on Cognition Shared Solutions, our services and other events hosted by us. For now, it's thank you from myself, Artur Guja, and my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Shiva. Thank you and goodbye.